0: Sits. this. Lay your hands on the people, just like on their shoulders, the one beside. There's a move happening in this room. And I don't know what you need. uh, If you need healing from whatever it may be. I hear asthma and diabetes or there are any cysts in the room. God is moving up and down these aisles right now. And I just want us to take a moment and let him do what he does.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to Impact Church, I'm Caleb Temple, Ah, and this is Jeremy, my brother. I keep telling you to stop sleeping under the table, but it's comfy, and I ate a whole burger earlier, and it made me tired, and my stomach feels like this guy. Why do we
2: have him again?
1: My friend. Anyway, we have some announcements for you today, such as a Bible study every Thursday morning at 10 a.m., and are you crying. Anyway, also, reminder to the ladies, the Gentle Sisters group, you have a box at the back, please make sure to check that for notes, and also don't forget to put notes in there in case you need, if you feel led to. And anyway, uh, do you have an answer for us?
3: Yes, uh, March 5th, Friday at 7pm, we're watching Woodlawn. Don't know what that supposed to mean, sounds like a lumberjack's front yard. And also... After service today, parents, there will be a meeting for you. So if you have any small children or husbands, make sure they wear their diapers. Okay. Other than that, you can check out the links to our website and uh, social media below.
4: They'll be adding that in
3: post. And now he has to return to the motherland. It! <laughs> oh, well. <laughs>
5: wow, that was quite interesting. Lori is so hiding her face.
6: Laurie is hiding her face. Lori's
5: right. hiding her face. <laughs> well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Doing great. Where is everybody this morning? They're out They're there eating, eating breakfast. Bagels. Okay, come on in. <laughs> it's time to praise the Lord. Let's stand if you will. And we want to begin just by giving God the incredible glory and honor and praise that is due his name. He is so incredibly wonderful. And I want you to... I want you to join me verbally in praising the Lord. You know, our mouth is the greatest weapon that we have for war. And not in I don't mean in gossip and criticizing and backbiting. What I'm talking about is in praise. Because our weapon is a warfare tool. It's a it's a weapon of, of our tongue is a weapon of, of praise. And we need to give God all the praise and honor because when we give him praise, he inhabits the praises of his people. He comes on the scene and things happen. And you know, how many believe that when God is here, the enemy has to leave? When God is here, the enemy has to go. So, Father God, we thank you, Lord. We praise you. We bless your holy name. We thank thank you for the name that is above every name. Lord, we thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals every one of our diseases.
0: Lord, that you are Jehovah
5: Jireh, the God who provides. That you are Jehovah Nisi, our banner. God, that you're Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And God, you give to us peace. Peace that passes all understanding, Father God. Lord, I thank you, Father, that your name is above every name. Your name is above sickness and disease and poverty. Your name is above war. Your name is above any powers and principalities that's trying to rule and wreck our life, Father God. We take authority in Jesus' name. And God, we bless your mighty name. We praise your mighty name. Lord, I thank you that every enemy of ours must bow its knee when we proclaim your name. So we're commanding the powers of darkness to bow their knee now to to the Jehovah Rapha that heals those who are sick. Jehovah Jireh for those that need that substance in their life, Father God, provision in their life. God, I thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We adore you, Holy God. We can't thank you enough. We can't bless you enough. We We can't glorify you enough. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Thank you, Father God. Bless your mighty name. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jehovah God. No name like our God. No God like our God. Every knee must bow. And you know, regardless of what you're going through, proclaim the name of victory over that situation. And you're going to see angels come on the scene. You're going to see the demons dispelled. You're going to you're going to see darkness dispelled because God is God and His Word is truth. And so God, we're so thankful. We so appreciate it. I want to know if anybody has a great testimony this week.
6: Wayne, come on down. Come I know on, you Wayne. do.
0: God is awesome. God is absolutely. I mean, I, I I just can't come up with a better word than awesome. I know there's one out there. But I'm still working on it. <laughs> So, God's been doing some things that's just miraculous. And one of the things that he's done is answered my prayer for Tent City. So, I was about to pray for snow one day. (laughs) Right? I'm about to pray for snow. Lord, I just just need some snow. Just let it snow. And then it hit me. And, and, And the voice said, you can pray for that snow and you might get it but what about and you can come in and go out and warm you can be warm you can go out get cold come back in but what about the people who don't have heat and then it hit me tent city they have no heat they have tents and so my prayer changed and so I started praying for tent city on a regular basis and I prayed this Father please get these people up off the ground mm-hmm. it's wet it's been raining and raining and raining and then as I kept praying I saw a vision of a warehouse and I, told, I shared this with somebody I, I think it was Deborah or, or uh, my wife and I saw this warehouse where everybody was there but it wasn't like everybody was crowded and crammed up. Everybody had space. And so what happens is the city of Charlotte got the people up off the ground, put them in hotels. And then somebody got a warehouse. And I'm like, no way, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> no way this is happening. And so, you know, I just thank God for that, man. Because, you know, I, you know sometimes I have to step out of my selfishness and say okay yeah if we get snow it's good for me but it's not good for everybody because it's cold out here it's cold and it's wet and people don't have heat some people don't have clothes some people don't have blankets and so that's what God has done that's what God is doing and so, you know, I may, I may not be here with you on Wednesday nights sometimes or Saturday nights, but you best believe prayer is going up That's wherever right. I Amen. am. Wherever I am, prayer is going up. So Amen. I just thank God for what He does and who He is. Amen.
5: Amen. Great story. Great and testimony. God loves
6: those people in the tents as much as He loves us. Yes, he does. He sure does. Yes, he does. I'm telling you, there's so many favorites in here.
5: Man, a lot. You're his favorite.
6: Thank God for answering prayer. Anybody else? Come on, Joe. Well,
7: first of all, I'm thankful for the pastoralship we have here. Thank y'all. Thank y'all you. doing a fantastic job. Uh I'm thankful for wisdom and truth. Uh, I'm especially thankful right now for wisdom uh, and bravery because I'm sitting here thinking back, you know, uh, I like to eat. That's obvious. Um, There's some things I don't like to eat. Uh, I don't like, for instance, I don't like oysters. And I'm thankful for the bravery of the man that says, ooh, that glob of snot looks like I might want to eat that. So (laughs) don't eat that. Just a little joke, anyway. But I'm, I, I, we're right now we're reading a book. Me and Melissa, Zach, and Nicole about the youth, and we're reading this book. And I, was, Terry, came in this morning and says, "How's Joe doing?" I said, well, "Joe's getting his world rocked right now." I'm only, and I was reading the book as I was sitting out there waiting for him to practice, and it was very eye-opening. So I pray for wisdom, and with wisdom, you better be ready for the truth, you know, because right. you're going to get your world rocked. But I'm thankful for both of them. Because it does, it opens your eyes. Basically that's about all I
6: had.
3: Awesome. Good work. I had
6: an oyster one thirty years ago and I'm still gagging over that one experience. Never never survive that again. I'm sorry, I don't know that. Go ahead. You want to read that? No, anyone else? Anybody else. Come on, Come Jeff. Come on, Jeff. Come on, Linda. Come on. That's the way
5: it should be. We should be just waiting in the line for the microphone to tell about all the great things God has done.
4: You know, I'm one of those guys who thinks when I pray and when I quit praying, it should be there on the, on the, right there at my hand when I get through. Well, I had a need this month and I said, I don't know how I'm going to make this need. So I started praying. See, God tells me to pray for exceedingly abundantly more than I can even think or imagine. So that's how I'm, I, I'm tuned to think. But sometimes there's, there's needs that are smaller needs and I didn't know how I was going to make this needs, but I was, I said to myself, if God doesn't meet this need and show me a way to make this need, I'm not going to mention to anybody, period, at all. So, you know, how many of you know that sometimes God meets your needs at the last minute? (laughs) You know, if he gave it to us as soon as we got through speaking, it wouldn't mean as much, would it? Well... This week that need was met, and that was a great need. And I, I when I, as soon as I got that need, and I looked at that need, the, the amount that I had needed for that need was exactly what I got. And I just want to thank God for it. And so I, and I want to say to all of you, He will meet your needs. He has continually met mine. And I'm not the best guy in the whole world, as, as a lot of you know. But God
8: <laughs> loves us all. Oh. You. I just wanted to tell everybody that I am blessed. And I know that, and I've said it before. But when people will say, Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm doing good. I'm doing well. No, I'm blessed. But I don't say anything. So today is the day I decided I was going to remember to say, I put it on my mirror, I am blessed. So came in and oh, I'm fine. No, I'm blessed and, and and highly favored. So, I just want to make a public confession. And I'm I'm an encourager. So, I just want to encourage everyone here because I know you are also blessed that we need to speak that out of our mouth. And people say, "Hi, how are you?" Or, well, "I am blessed and highly favored." So that's just my words of
5: encouragement for this week. <laughs> Good word. Thank you. All right, Miss Karen. Thank you, everybody. My, I have a friend who's been um,
9: marginally homeless for a long time, and it's been really heavy on my heart about that. Well, next week she gets to move into a beautiful apartment mm-hmm. with her two children. And that's not only good for her, but it's good for me because I was always worrying, you know? So now everyone's happy.
5: Amen. Anyone else? Okay, come on, Melissa. That woman, she lives blessed. Yes,
1: amen. You know, I'm all about the simple things. Do y'all know how simple God can bless you and just, just knock you off your feet and make you want to just in a in a moment, just make you want to cry and just and just be so thankful. But um, just this week, I was I was so blessed um, coming out of one of my businesses, and I had my keys and my um, all my stuff laying right there at the door. And I got ready to leave, and I turned around and looked down, and there was a little treat with a little note stuck on it. And I'm telling you God is so good. He's so awesome. He is so awesome and he loves us so much that it can just be the simplest of things that will just rock your world cuz I was rocked for probably about an hour. Probably about an hour. And you know before that I was telling somebody this morning before that I, just that same morning I we were I was listening to music like I always do and the song came "Waymaker," and um, I just got overwhelmed. I got overwhelmed, and I was like, "Okay, Melissa, get on track, stay on track. You got to get busy. You got to work. You got to work." But, but God is so good, and when we give Him thanksgiving and we serve Him with all of our heart, He just loves on us. He just loves on us, and it's just, oh, it's awesome, <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
6: I want to share something not too detailed, but you know, in one of our business ventures, we have to have insurance for our clients. Insurance paneling for a company can take three to six months. That equates to providing services much delayed as a business owner, delayed in revenue too. This week, we had an opportunity a week ago, opened up for us, and it's a huge opportunity. That process... Was expedited not on my prayers. I didn't ask God, God, I want divine favor. God opened the door. I didn't ask God for anything. We just love God and worship Him. It was expedited Thursday, six calendar days later after the, after the application to likely being a 30 day process versus 90 or more. That's only God. Dr. Bill, you know how it is in insurance. You gotta have it. You gotta have it for your patients. I thank God that He expedites things on our part before we even ask, or we don't even have to ask. That's the goodness of God.
5: He's always working in the background, right? Amen. Okay, I want to read Becky Hammond. I I guess she's probably watching. Hi, Becky. Um, But I have an incredible testimony that she sent to me. I I just think it just makes me want to smile every time I think about this. As you know, Becky is going through uh, treatment for uh, cancer, breast cancer. And, uh, it, you know, she went through some pretty rugged treatment that first session, and it was, it was very rugged, and now she's on a second type. But it says, on Monday morning, I had my appointment with my surgeon, and, uh, and she's halfway through her chemo. After examination, she said, I had a good response to the chemo, which this type of cancer doesn't normally do. The tumor had shrunk from five centimeters to three centimeters, and it loosened its grip there in, in her breast where it was. Well, that's, that's an incredible testimony, but let me tell you the rest of it. This is, this is an exciting part. Becky has a little dog named Snickers. He's 17. says he's, he's deaf and mostly blind. If any of you have been to Becky's house, you know Snickers. You have to lift him up and down as he can't do it on his own. He sleeps a lot, and the last few days has been sleeping more. So I'm thinking he may be close to the end. Monday morning, we got up late, and I'm getting ready to leave for the doctor at 10. I got a phone call and looked up at the clock, and it was it was 10 o'clock, so I had to call Cut his her call short and t- run out the door. I thought I had let Snickers back in. I had several errands and was gone for four hours. When I got back, I thought Snickers would come out, but he didn't. However, the cleaning lady had been there, and she and she takes care of him when she is there. So, I thought she had let him out, so all was okay. So I got busy working, then took a nap. A couple of times, I thought about Snickers having to go to the bathroom, but he didn't. He had been sleeping so much lately. I didn't think any more about it. Monday night was cold, rainy, thundering, and lightning. When I finally decided to check on him, he wasn't in his bed. I looked everywhere for him and could not find him. I called the house cleaner, and she had not seen him all day. She thought I had sent him somewhere to stay. It was now 8 p.m., and I was thinking he's dead somewhere. I just don't know where. If he had gotten out of the house, for sure he's dead. The weather and the and the, the blindness, he could not find his way home. So Tuesday is chemo day says, Donna called, and I told her about Snickers, and she sent out a prayer request. To be honest, I hadn't much, given much hope for him, I didn't have much hope for him. After I got home from chemo, I asked my daughter to drive around to see if we could find him. On the next road over where the construction was going on, there was a man standing there leaning on his truck. We stopped and asked if he had seen a dog. He had a funny look on his face. He came over to my window, scrolled on his phone, and he said, This dog? Showing me a picture of Snickers. Yes, that's what happened. He had seen him wandering in the neighborhood the morning before. He checked several homes to see if they knew anything, nothing. They called the vet on his collar, nothing. He took him home. His wife just happened to be a dog groomer. They cut his hair. They bathed him. They they bought him food. They put a sweater on him, and he slept with him that night. (laughs) Then he told me he doesn't look the same, and he showed me a picture of him all groomed and pretty. He went home and brought Snickers back to her, to Becky. He found the place that Snickers had gotten out of the fence and repaired that so he could not get out again. She asked to pay him for it, and he would not let her pay him a cent. She said an angel was looking out for her dog. Don't tell me God doesn't care about every aspect of our life. God constantly is watching over us. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Worship team, y'all ready? Isn't God good? You know, there's a scripture that tells us that, that God cares about people and he cares about animals. He cares about our animals. And I told Becky, I said, Becky, I said, your dog just had a, a vacation at the spa. That's all he did. So uh, God takes care of our animals and he loves all of us, right? Amen. Let's stand in worship.
10: God is so good. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Thank you for goodness and your kindness. How about we just do that? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Now I can tell some of you are singing God, you're so good. So let's all do it that way. Let's personalize it. Ready? God, God, you're, you're so, so good. God, you're, you're so, so good.
3: God, God you're, you're so good. You're so good to me. Yes.
10: Alright, amen. You guys ready to praise the Lord? Thank Him for all He's done for us. Yes, thank You,
1: Lord. I was lost in shame, could not get past my blame, till He called my.
6: a lot in this church the mountains of religion of family of education of government of media arts and entertainment and business the enemy has controlled those for the most part for decades we the remnant are taking back that authority yes. and handing it back over to God Dr. Bill would you come up Lord, would you come up and share they've got some updates on the mountains some information that you're doing, that you're gathering, praying about. Sorry about that. I thought you knew. And then we'll turn it back over to the worship team.
2: Well, I want to say one thing about the worship. If you can't get into the worship today and it doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. Thank you all.
10: That didn't matter for Elijah, you know.
3: <laughs>
2: That's true. That's true. It's, it's hard to one-up, Dan.
3: Well, I'm try.
2: <laughs> well, I want to speak a little bit about the mountain of government. And as we know, the church has sort of been asleep playing church for the last few decades, and the mountains have been taken over by Satan. Uh, and he's injected his poison into all those mountains but we're going to take him back and uh, it's going to be a mighty miracle of God that we see happen particularly with government Uh, part of my quiet time in the morning is reading the Proverbs for the day and uh, there's a lot of wisdom we've talked about wisdom in, in Proverbs and the title for proverbs 21 is god is the source of wisdom and i want to just read a couple of um, verses that pertain to government it's as easy for god to steer a king's heart for his purposes as it is for him to direct the course of a stream at some point we are going to see god direct our leadership's hearts Violent rebels don't have a chance for their rejection of truth and their love of evil will drag them deeper into darkness. And there's a level of corruption in our government that we will not be in unbelief of when the truth comes out. We will be in disbelief that it's been so bad. And um, that's part of our prayer for God to expose, let your light shine on what's going on and take care of it. When he does, there's going to be a celebration in the streets. Okay. And we're going to be part of that. And uh, this verse says, when justice is served, the lovers of God celebrate and rejoice. But the wicked begin to panic. And there's a lot of panic going on in all levels of government. Another verse, the wicked bring on themselves the very suffering they plan for others. For their treachery comes back to haunt them. So their plans are sort of like a boomerang. It's affected us for a time, but it's going to come back on them. Um, And one last one, the wicked are shameless and stubborn. But the lovers of God have a holy confidence, and all our faith and trust is in him. You can do your best to prepare for the battle, but the ultimate victory comes from the Lord God, okay? And I'm going to come at this as a Christian with a biblical worldview and not as... A favorite of any political party or any personality. And it's almost hard to to know where to start when we look at things. There's been so many changes in the past few weeks. And um, election fraud is an issue that will have to be discussed and the courts will have to look at it at some point there's a mountain of evidence of what's going on it's irrefutable it's a slam dunk case if it ever gets to a court and uh if it's not dealt with we may as well sit at home and never vote again because your vote won't mean a thing the the elections will always be rigged um but that's going to be dealt with um we see a party in charge, it's almost, uh, hate to say president, but a, a committee uh, is governing things, it looks like, and they are unrolling a blanket of evil and, mis- and misery on the American people, and it's like they don't give a darn about us and how we vote, they're going to do their own thing. And a few of the examples, uh, on day number one, the killing of the Keystone Pipeline. Thousands of union jobs, good-paying union jobs, were lost all of a sudden. Another effect, we're becoming more dependent on foreign energy. And we were once the leading exporter of that and independent. So we're going backwards, and it's definitely weakened our economy We've rejoined the World Health Organization, which we know is a front for the Chinese government, by and large. And it's protected them and uh, and their guilt in spreading the Wuhan virus across the globe. We're in another accord, the Paris Accord, where environmental policies are going to cause damage and uh, hinder the growth of our nation we're trading votes for citizenship our borders are wide open again illegals can come across uh, and people that do come across can avail themselves of free health care which is interesting in the midst of a pandemic but terrorists and gang leaders and drug dealers again have more access and uh they're handicapping, uh, deporting these people or even keeping them in jail. And we see the walls no longer been being built, uh, which is an awesome deterrent to illegal immigration. You look at Washington and we see an armed camp. There's troops there and barbed wire and fences all over the place. And it's ongoing, and you wonder why at this point. One of the things that breaks our hearts is abortion and the slaughter of the innocents. And we're $63 million and counting. Um, and our tax money pays for that. And now our tax money goes to support abortions around the world, not just in America. And that's a change that occurred even up to nine months. And there are also bills being passed that if a child sur- survives an abortion you can't give him or her medical care. Um, I don't know how we can can tolerate that. That's that innocent blood has caused a curse on our land and it has to be reversed. Um and I'm not just talking about the, the executive branch. You look at the legislative branch. You look at the judicial branch. There's bribery and perversion and corruption, again, to a level that it is hard, it's hard to imagine. And with the elections, we've seen it even go down to the state and local levels where people have done things that are unlawful to uh, have an outcome that they want. And then when you see what's been done to churches, we're shutting down churches. They really don't care what you think. Um, They boo at the mention of God in their conventions. They've taken God out of the Pledge of Allegiance and won't say his name. And you're really considered irrelevant. They, they They have a plan of action, and you're not part of it. So... That's, that's where we are. So join me as we pray for these issues, and there are many more. But Father God, we are so thankful that you have a purpose and a destiny for America. America is founded to serve you and to honor you and made a covenant with you to spread the kingdom of God around this land and around the world. Lord you are a covenant keeping God you are a promise keeper you are a miracle worker and you hear the prayers of your people millions have been fasting and praying for you to step in and expose what's going on and shine your light on all these things we've talked about expose the corruption Lord we're not afraid of the truth we want your truth about everything, and we ask that you would bring your righteous judgment. We ask for mercy for those who would see the errors of their, of their ways and would confess and repent and turn to you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we ask you to deal with those who will never receive you, who will refuse to come to you. Lord, we know you win over evil, and you will win this battle. You are our champion. You are undefeated. You've never lost a battle. So we ask you to win this battle over America. We ask for a mighty move of your Holy Spirit across America. We ask that your church would arise and become leaders and culture reformers in the governmental sphere. Satan, you have bruised America's heel, but you will have your head crushed. And America will fulfill their destiny and purpose. Lord, your kingdom will come. We will be known as a sheep nation, blessed as a nation whose God is the Lord. And Lord, we stand waiting for you to do your awesome move and the world will know that their arms are too short to box with you. You again are our champion. We look forward to the celebration we're going to have of your victory over this and we thank you in Jesus precious name. Amen.
9: Morning. Um, I'm going to talk about the arts and entertainment mountain and so um, I think that there's no question that um, we. Um, I did some research and let's just do a little exercise most of us have been 39 for quite a while so I want you to think back about when you were a kid, okay? And you're watching TV, and there's a bedroom scene, okay? They're married. They're sleeping in twin beds, and they're not doing a thing, okay? Fast forward. God help us, okay? They're not married. They're not dressed, and they're doing everything you can think of. And this is regular TV, okay? Um. The LBGTQ letter, 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 agenda, whatever. In 1970, there were two shows that had a regular LBG person. Today, there are over 300. You cannot watch a TV show that does not have a regular person, a regular star, a weekly star. On that show. Um, in 2017, there were only 13 shows that did not have an LG person. Um, I Googled um, influential people in Hollywood, okay? 89 influential producers are gay women, at least. It said top 89. It said top 40 homosexual men who are influential producers. When you do that for Christians, I think the number is 17. Oh, one said seven. Um, another site said the 12th most powerful Christians in Hollywood. This is not a mountain that we own, clearly. Okay. Um, and the proliferation has accelerated exponentially in the last few years. So think about it. You know, I I watch a lot of old TV shows because I don't want to deal with it. I also watch a lot of cop shows because I don't want to deal with it, okay? So the other day, I'm watching a rerun of a cop show, and I'm annoyed because it's about a gay teenager, and the parents are portrayed as... Nut job Christians because they want to do conversion therapy or something. And then I realized I've been watching this show and it hasn't phased me that everybody's sleeping with everybody. Because we're, we're desensitized. And that's what the Media Mountain is doing. The percentage of gay representation in the Media Mountain is 10.2. Okay, which would, as of 2019, I think the population is 4% or something like that, the regular population. So, again, now we're getting desensitized to this because you can't watch a TV show that doesn't have it. So we're getting desensitized. What's going to be the next thing that we're desensitized to? Transgender couples? And then what's going to be the next thing? So we have to understand that influence. The other thing is that we don't have a voice because if you want to watch a Christmas Christian show, you have to subscribe, which is fine for us because we'll subscribe. But we're not getting the word out because those people who need to see those shows are not going to pay to see those shows. And so that's where we're at. So, I mean, I have a tremendous uh, prairie, uh, points that I, you know. And I think, and this is just a strategy, maybe the people who are handling the mountains should come up with a list and be in the back. And if people want to pray for those points under each mountain, they can. You know what I mean? So you could pick one a day or two a day or whatever, and we could be attacking all those mountains. So anyway. Anyway. That's what I found out so far, and I'm, um, I'm researching it. My fear, my concern is that it, the media is desensitizing us to accept, and people are, people are. So, I'm just going to pray right now. Father, we pray that God's people would be the head and not the tail in the arts and entertainment mountain. That the church would be the army referred to in Joel 2, destined to destroy the works of the enemy. We pray that the church would make a covenant with their eyes and ears to not listen to anything ungodly. We come against and pull down all demonic influences in the arts and entertainment mountain. We cast down the blatant celebration of ungodly values and sin and those who call evil good and good evil. We pray that you would raise up TV and movie producers, magazine editors, playwrights, authors, actors, and even video game producers that, right? Because our kids play video games. Okay. Um, that will stand for righteousness and not be pulled down by the evil influences around them. We declare a shift to righteousness and kingdom principles in the entertainment world that the message of the arts, return turn from perversion and idolatry to purity. Yes. Father, raise up young prophets who are called to the entertainment industry yes. to boldly step out and write shows and programs with the message of truth and virtue. Father, we ask for extreme grace and favor for all godly producers, actors, and screenwriters. Open every door for them and release tremendous financial blessing. To them, we declare all funding cut off from wicked and perverse entertainment production and that wealth be given to the righteous companies in Jesus' name. Father, we ask you for a mighty move of your power to impact those people of influence in entertainment who don't know you. Send laborers, raise up godly men and women to bring your message of love and salvation to them. Let the fear of you fall on them. Open their eyes to the evil and perversion that they are selling. And bring them to repentance. And we break the stronghold of homosexuality in the arts and entertainment mountain. We come against the deception that is binding all those in bondage to it. In Jesus' name. And we declare victory in that mountain. In Jesus' name.
10: Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to do one more song. And um, we, we introduced this a couple weeks ago. We to stand again. We'll get ready to do it. I've been thinking a lot about the remnant and who we are as a remnant. This is something I came up with yesterday. I came up with a new term, okay? We're a new species. Those of us who are choosing to follow Jesus, we're a new species. I looked up the Latin for this, okay? We are now homo reliquiae, which means the remnant. Human beings who are the remnant of God. We don't follow the old rules of homo sapiens. We are different. We have been transformed by the righteousness of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. We are sons of God, which all of creation has been waiting to see revealed. We walk in the heavenly realms. We live by the realities of the kingdom of God. Our primary relationship is not to the dust of the earth, but to the glory of God. We are filled with the spirit and the word. We live by faith and not by sight. We are ecclesia. We live by the authority of Jesus. We tear down powers and principalities. We set people free and open blind eyes. We finished the work of Jesus in the world. So we're going to sing a song that basically talks about all of the same stuff. Remnant warrior, take your stand. Remnant warrior, take your stand. The sword of God is in your hand your soul is filled with mighty
3: zeal only two one day will be
10: only two one day will be let's sing that again. Take your stand
3: The sword of God is in your hand Your soul is filled with might
5: powerful powerful song and i want to uh, add one more proverbs 21 scripture and it has to do with a lot of what everyone has been saying but it says a warrior filled with wisdom ascends into the high place and releases regional breakthrough bringing down the strongholds of the mighty all that we've been talking about remember we're not fighting flesh and blood it's not about people it's about powers and principalities we love the people we want them free from the bondage we want them free from the bondage of these evil influences. But as we are God's warriors, that remnant portion, we ascend to the high places. We release regional breakthrough and we bring down the stronghold of the enemy. Amen. We have to remember who we are. Powerful.
6: The Goshen blessing part two. I like that. Part two. We're doing
5: something a little different today. Yes, we're going saying, Why is he team.
6: up here? Why is this man up here? He's lost. I want us to pray because I want all of our spiritual ears to be open this morning. Sometimes we can be clogged with what we think is reality, and it's not the word of God. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we share, as we dialogue this morning, that your spirit would go from person to person throughout this building and on the Internet. God, let our spiritual ears be open God left what we think is reality that we've been taught, that we've been misinformed, that we've learned things incorrectly. May we put that on the shelf, God, and hear what the Spirit of God Amen. is truly yes. saying this morning through Your Word. Thank you in Jesus' name, Amen.
5: Amen. So, last you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Goshen. What does Goshen represent? And we know that it's a place of God's keeping in times of crisis. So, if we're in if we're in Goshen, we're in a times of crisis, and and the place, it's a place where God makes distinction between His people and others. It's a place where the, the people of God are really chosen and peculiar, as the Word of God says that we are.
6: Dr. Bill, you I thought you sneaked and stole some of my notes this morning, but uh, that's okay. The Keystone Pipeline. I want to talk about a place we're at right now, and it doesn't have to affect us. That's what Goshen does. You know, there's some horrific things that have happened in our country that in a natural would affect us and could affect us on a daily basis. But not if we're living in the land of Goshen. You know, the Keystone pipeline was eliminated a month ago. Barrel prices of fuel have tripled in one month. Tripled. Gas prices at the pump have gone up 25% in one month. Uh, it's not over yet. Tens of thousands of jobs have been eliminated. And you might say, well, that didn't affect me. I don't work on the Keystone Pipeline. It will affect you at Food Lion. There's a trickle-down effect economically for jobs that are lost. And when there are tens of thousands of jobs that are lost, it affects this nation. I am sure we're looking and soon have hundreds of thousands of jobs that will be destroyed. The cost of health care in one month. Has increased because of an ink pen. For instance, insulin prices have increased 500% in 30 days. That's just one drug. There's going to be a health care crisis even more so than we ever had in this nation because of ungodliness. But we live in the land of Goshen. That's right. We, That's right. Let me say we should be living in the land of Goshen. Are we living there? Yes, we are. We better be living there. You know, some economic indicators and people are saying we're headed for some really difficult financial times. They're they're predicting double-digit interest rates, much like late 70s, early 80s. Anybody remember that besides me? You know what the mortgage rates were in 1980, 81? 15 to 21 percent for a mortgage. People were buying a very small home in 81 and paying most of their income just to live in a home. They're saying we're headed in that direction. They're throwing around the word recession. They're throwing around the word depression. But we live in the land of Goshen. There is protection inside the land of Goshen. There's favor in the land of Goshen. And there's prosperity in the land of Goshen.
5: That's right.
6: We don't have to live in the system that our government is trying to create, that this world is trying. It actually, it's a global problem. Right. It didn't just start in D.C. It's a global effort to kill this nation and to kill the world. But we can be a place that we are in God's keeping. Isaiah 26.3 says, He will keep us in perfect peace. Whose minds are stayed upon him because we trust in him. Goshen is like a place that's described in Psalms ninety one that we get tucked away in the shelter of the Almighty. There ten thousand will fall here, a thousand on this side, but it will not come nigh me, because we're living in a protected land. As believers we must be convinced of a promise found in Romans eight twenty eight.
5: And I want to read that to you. And this is a typical translation that we normally see. And it says, "As we And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. And that's a true statement. However, it's not the best statement. It's not the best manuscript, the best translation. In the complete Jewish Bible, it really says it better. It says, Further, Furthermore, we know that God causes everything. God called. It's not just everything's out there floating around and hocus pocus. It all kind of comes together because we love Jesus. That's not what it's saying. It's saying God causes everything to work together for the good of those. God is in the midst of every situation. God is working in the background, as we said before, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It also says in verse 31, what then are we to say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So when we understand that God is in the midst, God even now God is working in the background to bring about what needs to be brought about in your life if you love God and if you're working according to His purposes.
6: The first part of verse 28 says, and we know that those who love God, the question is, do we really love God? Are we obedient to God and His Word? Jesus said in John 14:15, if you love me obey my commandments. In verse 24, it says, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. In Exodus 20, verse 6, it says, but I, the Father, lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. He didn't mention in the hard times he wouldn't lavish his love on us. That's right. He didn't say when the economy goes really bad and interest rates go up, you're going to have to pay a great price and I'm going to turn off the faucet in the land of Goshen. He said, I'm going to lavish my love if we love God and follow his precepts. It's what we're doing according to the will and purpose of God. I want you to listen to this. Is our work, our activity according to the will and purposes of God? how do we know they are? Does it bring glory to him? Does it expand his kingdom in the earth? Or is it really all about me? We can deceive ourselves. Do you know that we can deceive ourselves? We can say, I'm doing this for the glory of God. But I really want this. I'm really wanting this in my life. But I'm doing it for the glory of God. I commit my, I give my business to God. But Do I? We can deceive ourselves. So are we doing it according to His will and to the purposes of God?
5: There's a great example in the Old Testament of how God actually does work in the background. And we just read it in this last week or so in our our daily Bible readings. We read through the Bible. But it's in the building of the tabernacle and the ark and the sacrificial system. And I'm just going to briefly just highlight some of these. I'm not going to read all these scriptures, but... In Exodus 25, we see Moses is at the top of the mountain and God's given him all these plans for the tabernacle, for the ark, the clothes, the curtains, you know, the sacrificial system. And I can imagine Moses' head was doing this. Can you just imagine God giving you all this? And, and my head would be spinning. I think God is, how in the world is this going to happen? How in the world? But then if we drop down to Exodus 31, we see God is preparing or has been preparing for what he has purpose. And God said to Moses, look Moses, look. I have specifically chosen Bezalel. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, given him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of craft. He is a master at every craft. So God already has somebody working in the background. And then we, then we go to, uh, he said, well, how are we going to get all these supplies? Exodus 35, God is also promoting what his purpose is. God stirs up the people to bring the supplies. And he says, all whose hearts were stirred and spirits were moved brought their gifts, gave them freely to the Lord. And then we see that not only did they bring what was needed, they brought more than what was needed. Exodus 36, the Lord provided more than was needed. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. See, they had, there was so much. God said, Moses said, listen, guys, don't bring any more stuff. So see, God had a purpose, and that was God's purpose. God prepared already in the back. God's preparing people right now. This is why we pray. God's preparing people in our nation to rise up and take over these mountains. Amen. We want people set free, don't we? But we we know the the influence that these mountains have in our culture. So God's already working in the background. We can rest in that. And God's also promoting. He's stirring the hearts of people. And we're seeing it all every day. We're seeing people's hearts getting stirred. People beginning to see truth. People's eyes are, are getting opened. And we know that God is always going to provide.
6: Let's bring this close to home in our personal lives, in our jobs, in our business, in our finances, in our investments, whatever it may be for you individually. God was working in these scriptures from the very beginning to the very end. This wasn't Moses' idea. That's really important. How many of you have great ideas on what you or I, I mean, I'm the world's, can be the world's worst in the past at this. I've got this great idea for a business. And God is like, don't do that. Don't do that. He's whispering, don't, don't do that. And my wife was whispering, don't do that. Don't make that decision. But I know it's God's will. Or was it? But see, God was working from the beginning to the end. And Moses didn't have a thought in this. It was God's idea and it was God's project. Moses was the handler of the and the, the right. facilitator of the project. Are we facilitators or owners of what we control? If it was God's project and God's idea, it would always succeed. That's right. He told Moses over. And over and over and over. Do this according to the pattern that I've laid out. There's no deviation. I don't, I'm speaking for God right now. I don't want you to insert your brilliance, Moses, into this because you're going to really screw it up, okay? <laughs> you're really going to mess things up. So keep your hands off your ideas. I don't really want to hear them. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. So God provided the plan for Moses. He provided the preparation. He even created the promotion of the project, and then he supplied the provision. And we give Moses all the credit. Look what Moses, a great man of God. Yes, he was a great man of God, but he followed God's precepts. Amen. So let me ask me and you, whose plan, whose preparation, whose promotion are we following? Ours or God's? In the times we're in, we cannot afford to follow anything here unless we're hearing from Holy Spirit here. If we're not hearing from Holy Spirit, we're going to really step into something we don't want to step into, into an arena that's really bad. We need God's wisdom. We need to hear what the Spirit is saying for us in regards to the plan, the preparation, and the promotion, and then the provision will follow.
5: Well, what is the key to receiving all this God blessing, this Goshen blessing that we have? Well, we find that key in Psalm chapter 1. How many love Psalm 1? How many love the Psalms? Amen. Amen. I want to start, that. we're just going to kind of tear this apart. And this, when you leave here, you're going to have the way to prosper in anything you put your hands to. You're going to be able to hear from God what he wants you to do. Now, I know a lot of you in here have dreams and visions about doing certain things, maybe businesses, maybe ministries, whatever it might be. But I think we need to step back, as Terry said, and say, okay, God, is this really your purpose and your plan? Is my motivation really going to promote your purpose in this? Many times we might have a good plan, but we have the wrong motivation. I want a a big business so I can be hog-nasty rich and I can have houses and cars and land. God says, that's not really what it's all about. Or I want this big ministry so everybody will know how important I am. That's not what it's really all about. I want to build this big house so everybody will think I'm wealthy. That's not what it's all about. And we're going to see in a minute what God blessed you for, what he blessed us for. And as sometimes it might it might kick your motivation kind of in the head when you think about what what your motivation is and what God's purpose and plan is. Number one, if you have an idea, God gave it to you if you're a believer. If you're a believer. If you're seeking God with all your heart and you have an idea or a plan, God gave it to you. Don't think, well, look at this great thing I'm thinking about. No, you don't have anything God didn't give you if you're a true believer. If you're a true believer. But let me tell you, if you did If you are a true believer and you have a plan, God gave it to you. So God not only has the plan, He also has the preparation. He's preparing things already for you. Just get into His timing. So Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Right away, we got to look at this very first word, blessed. Blessed. Now, we think of the word blessed in Genesis 1. It's the first time it shows up. It's the word Barak. This is not Barak here. There's only two words in the Hebrew language for blessed. One is Barak. The other is Asar. This word is Asar. So what is the difference? Barak is used in Genesis chapter one is used by God when he blesses someone. It's the initiative always comes from God and you may not deserve it. You may not deserve the blessing that God is bestowing on us. In Genesis chapter one, God blessed. He Barak mankind. What does that mean? That means God gave man the potential for success. He gave man the potential. You have within you the potential for success. But are you going to asar it? Asar, by the way, means it's never used by God. It's never found on God's lips anywhere in the Old Testament. It is reserved only for man. And this blessing requires man to have done something to receive the bayrack that was there. Am I making clear? Yeah, you know, I was just thinking this morning, you know, our granddaughter, is uh she's becoming a golfer. She's quite good, as a matter of fact, at 13. And so we were down visiting in Huntsville and she says, Mimi, my coach says my clubs are too short. So I said, okay, we'll fix that. So we go over to, uh, one of the golf shops and we said, measure her for clubs, thinking she's got this little junior set. We bought it at Dick's Sporting Goods. We get there and he says, no, she has a full length women's club. I said, well, her coach is telling her that it's too short because she's, I don't know where she gets her height from, you, but she's about, <laughs> right now she's about five foot seven or eight at 13 and she has almost a six foot tall sister. So we're thinking she's probably going to grow a little bit. So anyway, so he measures her up and they call up to Callaway and all of this to make sure to get the right. And they made some changes on the club, ordered her a new set of clubs. So what Mimi and Papa did is we bay racked her. We blessed her. It was our initiative. She didn't ask for anything. We, We blessed her because she was in covenant with us. She is in relationship with us. Now, what does she have to do to enjoy that blessing? She has to go pick up the clubs and use them, right? So, excuse me, so when she goes to Edwin Watts Golf or whatever it was we went to, she can go and get those clubs. She now has received the ASAR blessing because it was a blessing that was bestowed upon her from us in covenant, but it is, the blessing just lays there, sits there unless we bring it into our life, unless we propagate it into our life. It's kind of like if I say everybody that's a member of Impact Church, I have a thousand dollars deposited in Wells Fargo for you. That's a Barak blessing. You didn't do anything to deserve it. I'm giving it to you because we're in covenant. But what you have to do is go there and you have to get the blessing. So Asar is totally dependent upon us doing something to get the blessing that is there. And that's what this is saying. Bless is the man who does something. Bless is the man who walks not. This is what he does. The man, this is what he does not do. Bless is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. We're going to tear these apart. Blessed is the man who does not stand in the pathway of sinners. Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of the scornful. So the the word of God is very clear that we have to do something most of the time to receive the covenant blessings. Now, the blessings are that we have an inherent within us, the, the potential for success. And God has put blessings out there for us, but we have to walk in obedience to get them. Let me give you some examples of where Asar is used in Proverbs sixteen twenty. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good. And Asar is he who trusts in the Lord. He's blessed not because he just happens to be in church. He's blessed because he's trusting in the Lord. So That that condition, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed, Asar is the man who takes refuge in him. So that's why we say you can be sitting in church and never receive a blessing because you're not taking refuge, you're not trusting in God. Psalm 119 says... Blessed Asar are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the word of the Lord. So you see, there's a blessing that comes from our obedience, and the, and the, and the, uh, the Bayrock blessing is there, but we have to bring it into our lives. So how does one walk to obtain the, the state of blessedness? And we're gonna, we're gonna tear these first few, uh, this first scripture apart, and like I said, take notes. They're, they're on the, actually they should be up on the, uh, podcast. But verse number one, again, says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. And we could tear that word apart. What does walk refer to? It doesn't mean that I go over here and just walk down the street with Joe Blow. That what it means, walking refers to a certain behavior, a life pattern. The counsel of the wicked is those who allow the advice of the wicked to impact them and determine their behavior. Who are you listening to? And then the word wicked is simply those who do not or honor God. So this is saying we cannot walk in the be- we cannot hang out with sinners. We cannot uh, get counsel and advice from those who are not hearing from God. Who are you getting counsel and advice from? It's so important. We can't get our advice and our and our counsel from CNN News, Fox News, or any of the other news stations, Epic News, or whoever you listen to. You've got to hear from God what God is saying in a situation.
6: So how do we, as children of God, take wrong advice from people that don't serve God? Yeah, wow, that is it's a big wow. Second Corinthians six fourteen says, six fourteen says, Don't be unequally yoked or team up with unbelievers. Who's on your team? Be very careful. Who speaks into your life? I'll give you a real example. About ten or twelve years ago, we have a friend that we know well and trust, man of God. One day in a conversation, he said, Terry, I need to connect you with somebody who's a financial advisor. I've been using this man for a while, and I've got some outstanding numbers. The were ROIs just through the roof. Just look at it if you want to. Well, I got in touch with this guy. Gave me some numbers. Like, wow, this guy, we're going to put some money in this. We shared with a few people in church. I don't think anybody ever really invested yet. It was early. But we were ready to pull the trigger until I got a call from a federal investigator in Chicago. He said, tell me about this man you're, that's in your church or talking to you. And I mean, I'm like shaking, like, I didn't do it. I mean, this is the big deal guy, a fed investigator. He said, this man is going from church to church in America. He says he's a Christian. He's a man of God. And he is literally in a Ponzi scheme the roi your friend was seeing was on paper only so if we'd given him a dollar or $20,000 it would have been gone as fast as he could deposit in his account and spend the money now this was a honest referral from a christian brother to a man that says i'm a man of god now what now wait a minute i thought god led every step i take i thought everything i put my hands to would prosper if I put 10000 here, it's got to prosper, even if it's a Ponzi scheme. Well, no. Did I pray about it? No. I took advice, and I took advice, but I didn't heed the advice of the one who knew. I didn't hear in my spirit, yeah or nay, because I didn't even take the time to ask God. I was so excited that I could double my money in a year or so. See, we can take advice from the wrong person who means well. But they're being misled. How about getting paid under the table? Hey, can you just slip me a hundred dollars so i will do this work for you? I don't want to put it on my taxes.
5: Well, that works both ways, employees and employers, mm. because the employers don't have to pay that extra seven and a half, eight percent social security. So we'll just pay you under the table. And that happens in churches. Believe people that say they love God get paid under the table. That should not be. When you leave here today, if that's you, you need to stop it. Stop it. God's not going to honor dishonesty.
6: Can we hire the unbeliever to work if we have a business to work for us? Absolutely. We just don't take counsel or advice from them. Can we use the unbeliever's money but don't take ungodly advice from them? Absolutely. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for us. I will take all of their wealth if God wants to give it to me. If I provide a service and ungodly people come in for our services, hallelujah, we will take their money and provide them a great service. Dr. B., probably everybody that came to your clinic were not born-again spirit-filled Christians. You didn't turn them away, did you? No, you didn't turn them away. So how are we walking in the counsel of the wicked? We know know a
5: minister up in uh, Canada, Pat Francis, and she uh, came out of Jamaica, I think, but she's an incredible woman of God. But she has a, a major uh, ecclesia, marketplace-type ministry. And they, the courts actually send people to her, young people. And their goal is to have them uh, self-employed and a homeowner by the time they're like 25 or something. So she has partnered with some uh, Muslims who are providing money, but she doesn't take counsel from them. And, you know, the same thing, we were out in uh, San Jose uh, a year or so ago with Ed Silvosa. And some of the schools that he has, has started. The Muslims are bringing their kids because they see the difference that they're making and they're supporting that. So, you know, the wealth of the heathen is really laid up for the righteous. We just don't take counsel from the ungodly. And, you, and it might be something just, just simple. Who are you getting marriage counseling from? If you're getting marriage counseling on the job from somebody, you want to ask them first, how's your marriage and are you a believer? You know, many times we'll take marriage counseling from the, somebody whose marriage is worse than yours or financial counseling. Even if they're a CPA are, do, are they, a, are they God fearing? Do they know what they're talking about? Are they hearing from God? Because, you know, you can, you can, you know, we can make a lot of decisions not based on hearing from God, but based on fear. You never make a decision based on fear.
6: Let me go back to the very beginning. In the times we're living in, we can't afford to be using advice, never, but especially now of people that are not godly and aren't following God's direction. We can't afford that. It could be the mistake that could be devastating to us.
5: We also know sometimes that we can um, be manipulated by the ungodly because you know they're really thinking about their end result where you know they're just wanting to use so you have to be careful. you have to be able to hear from God. Amen. You have to be able to get that little thing in your spirit man that says don't do this you know there's a there's a, a lot of talk about the economy that's going on, and so you know, the Lord might be telling you to make an investment here, making it, but make sure He's telling you. And, you know, someone else should confirm what God is telling you. There's, there's a push to buy gold and silver. Is God telling you to buy gold and silver? If He is, buy it. If He's not, you know, don't buy it. Just don't make decisions based on fear and don't make decisions based on someone who, who obviously is not living for the Lord. Cause you know, they're not going to hear the voice of the Lord. So the second thing, okay, that's not walking in the council number. The second thing is we don't stand in the pathway of sinners. That word stand means to take a position. You take a Do you see the progression? First we're walking, now we're standing. Do you see that progression? It is a progression. And that word, that word way is actually the word pathway. And that means that someone that we closely associate with, with their sinful behaviors. In other words, we're beginning to talk like them. We're beginning to act like them. We're beginning to think like them. You might even hear a word slip out of your mouth on occasion. I remember when our son came back from Iraq one time, uh, he, he said, those guys, there always use the F word all the time. And he said, he heard it so much. He found himself using, he had to break that habit of using the F word. And so, you know, so who do we hang around? You know, birds of a feather flock together, right? Corrupt friends will corrupt good behavior. So we have to be careful who we're hanging around. And that word sinners is certainly just simply a person who disobeys any divine word of God or neglects a spiritual duty to these sinners are.
6: Our son is watching right now. He's probably going to text me. Why is mom telling that stuff on me?
5: Well, probably all of us have said some things we wish we hadn't. Yes, we, we have. You know, what you listen to on TV. It, you know, you can listen. You know, oh, well, that's okay. I'll, I'll just filter that. No, and then next thing you know, you come up and there, there's this attitude or this language that's coming out.
6: The old ad is garbage in, garbage out. Yep. What's the mindset of the center? If you have any of these, get rid of these. You can't afford to have these in the time we're in. You can't ever afford it, but especially now. The philosophy of the world, it's all about me, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Do anything to win, regardless of the consequences for other people. Do anything to get ahead. I'll just cheat and lie. They'll never know it. I'll manipulate the situation. They'll never know. I've got to win. Any behavior that is opposed to God's word and God's law is the mindset of the sinner. How about companies or people that cut corners in their service and hide it to make a larger profit? How about not giving an honest day's labor or a dishonest time report? How about cheating on our taxes? Well, you know the government makes enough money anyway. They don't deserve it. They're taking advantage of me. Yeah, they are. But what's the law right now? Until we eradicate the system we have now, we pay our fair share what we owe. My advice is get a great CPA who's also an enrolled agent with the IRS training, and it will help you win better legally. How about mistreating our family? First Peter 3, 7. I remember I mentioned this a dozen or so years ago one Sunday morning, and I had a person highly offended because I said, the man that mistreats his wife, God won't hear their prayers. Well, this person got offended. I always wondered, you must be really bad to your wife. They quit the church anyway, so.
5: The word will prune out the church, that's for sure.
6: How about neglecting a family member Let's in need? Let's go back to that one. Go I back. just want
5: to stay there a minute.
6: And there you go. You're going to start also, meddling now.
5: Also, that goes the other way. It's not just husbands. Yes. It's, it's your spouse. And, you know, mistreating may not necessarily be beating or abusing or running around, but it might be the words that we speak. It it might be the respect that we show, the honor that we show. So, you know, and, and the word clearly says the prayers will be hindered if we are mistreating our spouses.
6: Neglecting a family member in need and neglecting family to make money in the pursuit of riches. Either way, neglecting our family is standing in the pathway of sinners.
5: Or neglecting God. Neglecting God to make money. I've seen people get blessed like crazy after they come to the Lord and suddenly they have no more time for God. I'm too busy. Well, Sunday's my only day to relax. These are things I've heard. Sunday's my only day I can rest. I'm too busy. Because God blessed them so much they're too busy now for God. Does that make sense? That's biting the hand that's feeding you, right? Number three is, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And that, and here, see, we were walking, then we were standing, now we're seated. You see the progression that has taken place? And that word sit simply means to remain or dwell. Seat is actually a place of assembly, assembly of people together. And scoffer is someone who jeers, mocks, who are arrogant, they love conflict, but they reject wisdom and correction. And I think this is where a lot of the younger generation is today because they've not been told or taught how to respect the older generation and they're not listening to the wisdom that can only come from people who have had experience. We're, we're on a board uh, and we had a big board meeting, an annual retreat meeting yesterday. And one of the gentlemen said something I thought was so important. I thought it was so profound. He said, we live in a culture that worships youth. And he said, we're always wondering about, you know, how can we reach the youth? How can we, how can we learn how to communicate with them? How can we learn to talk like they talk? He said, this is what I think they need. They need to teach the youth how to communicate with the older generation to get the wisdom that they need to live life. And that is so profound. And I thought about Nehemiah 13 where it says, when Nehemiah came back, the children of Judah did not did not any longer know how to speak the language of Judah. And that's what we have grown up a lot of children that do not know the language of the church, the language of the word of God, the mind of the word of God. And it's I think a lot of it is because we have dumbed down our churches to reach kids when we should be bringing the kids up according to Scripture to get the wisdom and the godly counsel from the elders
6: scoffers can also be lazy and fail to prep to prepare for the with the opportunity they have you know look back at joseph seven years of plenty seven years of famine what if he were lazy what if he said i oh, it's going to be okay i know i had a dream and all this but you know we'll get by the nation would have starved to death you know we believe and we've said there's a window of time some hard times we believe are coming but i believe it's coming for the rest of them that are in the land of Goshen. Well, we know it's happening. I believe so. But we can surround ourselves almost like a wall and say, God, you're blessing what I put my hands to. Not a time to be lazy. It's a time to prepare. Who do you associate with? You've heard me say that for 15 years. Who is speaking into your life? If you allow, if I allow anybody to speak into my life that's toxic, caustic, or negative, we are making a terrible mistake. You know, I say this a lot, and it's, it might, I hope it doesn't offend you, but if somebody gets in my life and I allow them in and they become toxic, I'll stop them. I won't allow it. If they won't stop, they just left my life for good. Because that situation, that relationship is not worth what God's called us to do or what God's called you to do. Be careful who speaks into your life.
5: I will go back and I've said this before, but 18 years ago, we had someone ridiculing us for starting a mental health clinic because here my background was chemistry, ministry, his was business. And we said, well, all we know is God said, do it. I've told you this before. It was 18 years ago. Now we have the one of the leading mental, private mental health businesses in several counties. And she's so God was doing the preparation. He was preparing people. He sent us people, the laborers, to do the work. He sent the ideas. He's, he's, he's sending the provision. And so you have to know who you're listening to. Now, this person that was saying this was a very close friend who was a believer who loved God with all her heart. But see, what was the motivation in saying that? All I know is what God said. So we've got to be enough in who we are as children and sons and daughters of God that when God says do something, Katie, bar the door if anybody tries to stop me, right? So in you know in 2 Corinthians 6:14 Terry mentioned this a moment ago not to be teamed up with unbelievers. Later in that in that chapter Paul asked some questions. And I want you to think about this. Can righteousness partner with wickedness? Can light live with darkness? Can Christ dwell with the the devil? Can believers live with the unbelievers? Can God's temple exist with idols? You know, it's like bringing idols, bringing some of these Hindu and, and African idols and setting them up in here. We're just going to worship all the little gods, you know, because we really know who the big God is. But, but he asked this, and then he said, Therefore, come out from among them and separate yourself from them. So we're talking about prosperity, according to Psalm 1, what you put your hands to will prosper. The other thing is, you've got to put got to put your hands to something. Amen. You got to put your hands to something you can not just sit there. And expect God to blow a blessing in you've got to put your hands to something, and are you getting the wisdom of God <laughs> yeah, our slide, hang on a second. our notes are all out of crazy what here order here? I don't know, but we're going to go keep going right through it here anyway, we lost it so um psalm one contrasted. two, the contrasted life of the believer. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. In other words, that was the life of the ungodly. This is now the life of the believer. We, this is what we have to do. We, these are what we didn't do or we don't want to do. We don't want to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to be a standing with sinners. We don't want to be getting our advice and we don't want to be sitting down with unbelievers. He said, but this is what you do. You delight in the law of the Lord. That word delight means you you joy to such a level that you have great emotional involvement. How many of us delight in the Word? How many of us love uh, just getting in the Word and tearing it apart and just seeing and feeling the presence of God coming from it? The law of the Lord is simply the collected body of the commands of God. It really refers to the Torah, but it's the full Scripture. And then meditate, this is what this means. We may not know this message, this word, but it means to recite, to ponder, to reflect on, to study, and to mutter. What are you speaking? What's coming out of your mouth about your situation? You know, we, when we had our kids were younger, we had, y'all, you know, the terrible twos. We said, we don't have terrible twos. All oh, those horrible teenage years. No, we don't have horrible teenage years, and we didn't. We had great kids. That doesn't mean that you're problem-free, but we didn't allow that language to come out of our mouth. What are you meditating on? Greatest a piece of my children, they're all told of the Lord. I don't care what I see. Greatest of peace of my children, they're all taught. We're meditating on the word. We're muttering. We're speaking the word. But then, how often do we do it, day and night? What is that telling us? Continuously, continuously we de- we delight in the law of the Lord. Continuously we medica- meditate on the law of the Lord. Medicate too on the law of the Lord, and it's a continuous action. So the results of a blessed life are, this is, this is, this should really make you excited. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree, planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss. This is out of the past. Bearing fruit in every season of his life. He's never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. And so that word planted actually, these are the characteristics of Asar blessing. And remember that word, Asar, that's really a state of being. It's a state where you are so blessed that people are envious of you. That you are so blessed. Envious is this condition. That God is blessed. You you look at, you're kind of like Obed-Edom. Remember when the ark was in his house? For 90 days he was blessed so much that the people were envious. And they went running to David. Well, you see what's happening at Obed-Edom's house. So, So we've been planted. And that word actually means transplanted. We have been tra- we've been taken out of this place of the world, the crisis. We have been transplanted into a place of prosperity. You want to talk about that word?
6: Yes, I do. About a week and a half ago, I went to bed one night, and she she was in Huntsville. And I was just praying and uh, listened to my favorite minister Dutch Sheets do some awesome teaching. And I was just praying, and as soon as I lay down, I heard the Spirit of God say, "Go read Psalm one in the Passion." I love Psalm 1, and I love the passion. I'm going to skip to verse 3. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of his life. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, and ever prosperous. Then I went down to the footnote, and it said again, the word planted means Transplanted. That is, God planted our lives from where we were into a place of blessing. He literally took us, we were here, and He said, I need to move Terry over here. This is where his life will be prosperous. I didn't see what was over here. I didn't ask to go here. But I'm following God, and He just literally transplants Deborah to a place of blessing. That's overtaking your life.
5: You know, there's a beautiful picture in the, in uh, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, what happened? He took them out of bondage and brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey. He transplanted them. When he came, when Jesus came into our life, what did we do? When we made him Lord of our life, he took us out of the kingdom of darkness and transplanted us into the kingdom of his son of light and life. So God's in the transplanting business. If we will do the things we need to do.
6: That verse, that footnote takes us to Psalm 92:13 where it says, "You God, have transplanted them into your heavenly courtyard where they are thriving before you. Maybe you're in a dark place right now. I would pray, God, would you transplant me where I'm supposed to be? Take me out of this dark place, this place of frustration, this place of lack, and transplant me according to your will. Remember, I don't have any plans? Purpose, what were those points, plans?
5: Provision, promotion. He provides
6: provision. The whole thing is initiated by God. I'm just saying, God, would you just transplant me to where you want me? I won't give you direction. I won't say, God, I want to go right here. He might be wanting me here, and I missed it again. What's God's will?
5: And, you know, you may be in a dead-end place. Maybe you're in a dead-end job, a dead-end career, dead-end on your finances. And and with Psalm one, if we put these things into practice, if we, if we truly meditate on his word day and night, if we do not associate with evil, he promises he'll take you out of that dead, never ending, unfulfilling job and put you into a place where you can be fulfilled and accomplish his purposes. And and don't forget that most people in the church never stand behind a pulpit, only about 2%. The rest of the people to get out into the marketplace and bring change into their community. That's what that's what you're supposed to be doing in the church. You come in, you get equipped, you go out and do the work of ministry. If if we only had you using your gifts in the church, what's going to happen with Concord, Kannapolis, Charlotte? We want you to go out and do the work of ministry. We want you to change the, the airways. We want you to change the government, change those. And we can't do that if everybody's in these little holy huddles and we're sitting right here quoting scripture all day long and we're not going outside doing what we're putting our hands to something that God can bless and prosper.
6: I want to read something by Doug Addison that just came out yesterday. God has a plan to prosper you. Prosperity is having the money, the time and the resources to do what God calls you to do when he calls you to do it. Isn't that a great place to be in? All the money, all the time and the resources just to meet the need that God calls you to. God's plan for you is in Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. And a few words about money. For many people, it can be hard to see where prosperity fits in right now. There are a lot of different difficult situations in our world. And many people are without income or have incredible amounts of debt they are dealing with. Here's how to move forward. Three points. Number one, find the treasures of heaven's wisdom and knowledge. This can only be found in the Lord. Seek His plan. So to access prosperity, we must look to the Lord for solutions and strategies to get there. Not our solutions or strategies, but God. Number two, in order to receive wisdom and knowledge, we need to hear God's voice and understand Him better. When we get aligned with God's wisdom and knowledge, then we can develop those ears to hear what He is saying to us And receive a greater understanding of what he is showing us to do. And number three, it's also important to make sure that money really doesn't matter to us. And it doesn't master us either. The Lord will often use money to reveal what's in our hearts. So if you have roots of a poverty mentality, or roots of greed, then renounce and break them off in prayer so you can begin to move forward.
5: Why do we need blessing? Why do we need to be a blessed people? Well, as we said at the beginning, it's not just so you can have more, more, more. It's not so you can have bigger houses and cars. But it tells us in Genesis twelve twelve, the Lord spoke this to Abram. He said, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that what? You will be a blessing. The whole purpose in God blessing us, we're supposed to be a conduit for blessings to flow through, not a stopping place. Not a pool of blessing. We're supposed to be a conduit where these blessings can flow through us. Proverbs twenty-eight, twenty-seven says, Whoever gives to the poor will lack what? Nothing. Nothing. So if we're lacking something, are we giving to the poor? Psalm 41, 1 says, Oh, the joys of the... Well, let me finish that. And those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. What is a curse? It's an assignment from the devil against you. That's all it is. It's an assignment from the devil against you. So if we're closing our eyes and our ears to the cry of the poor, God says, you're going to be, you're going to be cursed. Psalm 41 1 says, Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. That word joys is really the word asar. Blessing. The blessing of those who are kind to the poor. And then Matthew 25, a very powerful scripture in the New Testament. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. So what are we saying here? Where we are blessed to be a blessing, and I'm going to tell you, this church, the size of this church is incredible for the blessing that they give and, and what they what they do. And we take up donations for the needy. On you know, I, I would say frequently since COVID. And you guys have always come through and you've abundantly given more than was necessary. Last year, last summer, a friend of ours, Lee Grady, who's the head of Mordecai Ministry, Mordecai Project, he has projects t- a little bit, how many different countries, 30, 37 different countries he's in. His primary target is women and orphans. That's his primary target. So we gave you a, we gave you a, an opportunity to help the Moy Bridge. It's a, it's a, it's a house for girls who have gone through genital mutilation and they do this that's that's one of the um the rites they do in in the african nation for various reasons won't go into all of that but what happens is many times these are performed on girls that are five six seven years of age and the parents do this because they don't want them to become promiscuous and what it does and many of them get uh, uh urinary tract infections and then also later in life it makes it very difficult for marital intimacy and that's what they're trying to do So they built this house, and you guys pretty much built it. They built this house to bring these girls in, and right now there's 30 girls in that house, 30 girls. And they're hiding them, basically, and keeping them. They're educating them. And right now, I I was talking to Lee this week, and he said, we have another need in that house. Right now, the girls are having to climb a ladder to get to the upstairs. And they're also, they need walls to separate the rooms. They've got this construction. You help build the building. And he said, we need $3,900, $3,600. And so I sent out an email and some of you have already responded, but we have a, a video, just a real short video clip from Pastor Elijah who is over this house. And I want the house that he's standing on is Moybridge house and you'll see he's on the outside. And for these girls to enter the second floor, they have to, climb a ladder to the... Now, can you imagine the danger that's involved with that? So let's look at this very short video.
10: Hello. Hello. Greetings Impact uh, Impact Church. Uh, this is Pastor Elijah Wafula, all the way from Kenya, director of the Mordecai Project in Kenya. I'm so glad to partner with you and uh, for the provisions of this need to put up a staircase and a safety rail for this girl's dormitory. We are so grateful for the support, prayers and helping us and helping the girls in Kenya to be able to access Christian education as we also protect them from FGM, human genital mutilation. Thank you so much for the support and thank you for going with us. And thank you, Brother Grady, for such a wonderful work that you've been able to do with us, uh for this uh Project and cemetery. May the Lord bless you. God bless you. by chance. Hallelujah.
5: His accent's pretty thick and it's pretty hard to understand what he's saying, but he was basically thanking us for what we've done. And I was talking to Pastor Dan this week. I said, It's hard for me to imagine that a dollar bill could keep a, a young girl from being protected. Now, we have needs in our own community. We, the homelessness in this community is, is really horrendous now with, with the COVID and, and we, it has always been. I've forgotten how many hundreds of children are homeless now, uh, in, in Cabarrus County. But I did, this just touches my heart. I've been to this place. I know what these women go through. We've been in conferences where we were, we were in conferences in Lagos, Nigeria, and the women, we had to make sure we were through at a certain hour because if they went home late and didn't have dinner on the table, they would be beaten by their husbands. It's the old, it's that old mentality. They're, they're national, you know, they're just the the way they believe. They're, it's evil. It's evil. But to think, you know, I guess the reason it touches my heart so much is I have six grand, six grandchildren, five granddaughters. And to think that this could be done to them. And a dollar bill is all it takes. A crazy little dollar bill. So I'm asking you to contribute. I'm asking you to. We're going to send thirty six hundred dollars one way or the other. We're going to send it. And I want you to contribute. Contribute. Because I believe God will bless you because it clearly says whoever gives to the poor will be blessed. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing. And I want to ask you, if you've got this constant cycle of poverty, what are you giving to? Who are you giving to? I was thinking about Becky Hammett's uh, uh, testimony. I know Becky and John very, very well. I can tell you, those people are givers. So it may not come back as a $1,000 check in the mail, but what it might come back is God's got an angel leading little Snickers to a place where he can be taken care of, bathed, groomed, and sleep with the owners of the house. Now, how does that ever happen? That dog just went on a spa vacation. See, God does little things like that. He protects the, He'll protect your job. Your car won't wear out. I mean, our cars, some of them, I mean, we've driven them 300,000 miles Gave them away, running good. It's amazing what God will do. And I just, I'm just going to ask you. I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not begging, because I, I know what givers you guys are. But I want you to write on an envelope if you could, if you want to give something, just write it on there for project or whatever. Moy Bridge, whatever you want to put. Maybe you didn't come prepared today. Just write it on the envelope. This is what I will give. But uh, I believe that god has put this in our heart god gives us opportunity to act and to move i can think of the number of times that you wanted, you wanted to say something didn't you i can think of the number of times where god moved on our heart to give and it was always it seemed like at the worst time it always seemed at the worst time but sometimes you got to give out of pain you plant the seed out of pain and you're going to reap the harvest in the soil if it's good soil and I, again, if you're, you say, well, I am giving and I'm not saying anything, then you're giving into wrong soil. If you give giving to this church, you're giving in good soil. I can't tell you the prosperity we've had this year and during COVID. I can't tell you. And you know why? Because this church gives. This church gives. We've always been a giving church. So you might want to look at some things. If you're in cycles of poverty and never having enough, there's a reason for that. That's not God's plan for your life. God can open a door just like that. God can created bezalel in your life just like that to provide you what you need we had a counselor tell us one time she said i've never seen people like you and terry Says y'all can think of something before you even get out of your mouth it's coming into the front door that's just god it's not we're not a big deal that's why we give so many testimonies because we really believe if god can bless us he can bless anybody because we know our we know our stuff we know our little issues we have but let me tell you our hearts are pure our motivations are pure and we know that God always responds. He always rewards. And the poor are those that are very close to God's heart. Children are very close to God's heart. Just think about one, 30 these 30 girls. Or just one of those girls. How many generations are we affecting? By just giving and supporting this. Keeping them protected. So let's stand, if you will. And we're going to close out with the song, The Blessing. This is what I firmly believe about everyone in here. If you're in business, you should have the most successful business in your city, in your, wherever you are. If you're in a job, just like Joseph was in prison, God gave him favor. You should rise in promotion if you're where God wants you to be. I believe that you're supposed to be the most blessed people, that you are to be Asar people as well as Barak people. Asar people that you have so much blessing that God actually is causing envy from those around. What are they doing? We've had people come and say, what are you doing? Bob Hartley prophesied in 2008, was it? He said, this church, not carrying, this church is going to be so prosperous in the days to come. People are going to come and want to know what you're doing. I believe it's happening. Because you are blessed. You are a blessed people. So let's sing the song.
3: And your family and your children, the children, the children, May your savior be upon you. And a thousand generations, and your family and your children, the children, the children, May your savior be upon you. And a thousand generations. And you your family, and me, and your children, and their children, and their children, and their, children, and their and children, and friends Go before and you, behind and behind you, you, and beside you
5: blessing his Bayrock be upon you well his Bayrock is upon you because that's what his word declares i want to ask you is His asar going to be upon you are you going to be able to walk in the things that we talked about today this we gave you a roadmap to success and prosperity today you do these things you are guaranteed a blessing who are you hanging out with who are you listening to who are you taking your counsel with? Do you know Him? Do you meditate on the Word day and night? If you're not hearing the voice of God, I would say you're not reading the Word. The more you read, the better The better you can hear. As you study the Word of God, God will speak to you. He'll give you that little small voice. I was thinking last week we were in Alabama, and the volleyball tournament was at the Von Braun Center, which is he was a German uh, space engineer. Well, it reminded me, it took me back many, many years ago, because I, when I was in college and in physics, I remember uh, I won the Von Braun Award for Meritorious Service. What that was was I had the highest average in the class, which was a 78, by the way. But he graded on a curve. And so I thought, well, this is kind of a joke, you know, really. But anyway, and I thought, this is why I had the highest average in the class. I said, God, what do I need to study? We had He would usually give three or four questions on an exam. So if you missed one, you made a 75. And I, and he would point me to things. The Lord, I would be going through my chapter or my chapters and the God would just bring things out. And, and I said, well, and I remember the first time I said, no, he never discussed that in class. So I just passed over it. He was on the test. Let me tell you, I remembered that the next time we had a test, I studied, studied everything the Holy Spirit. See, that's favor. That's God speaking. It may not mean squat to anybody, but you know, it's just, it's favor. Is God leading and directing? He can do that with your your money and your investments, your job, who you're to marry. Most people marry out of passion rather than out of common sense, right? Well, that shouldn't be. We should be hearing from God. Most people go get a job out of out of just what's well, going to pay me the most money. But is it where God wants you? Most people will go to a church because it has the biggest services or the biggest. Or they got these, you know, maybe they got all this stuff going on with a. What do you call it? The clouds floating in the air? What are those machines? I mean, that's okay if they are speaking the Word. I'm not criticizing that. But is that where God wants you? I've heard people say, well, I would go to this place, but they don't have this, this, and this. Well, maybe God's sending you there to be this, this, and this. See, God wants to fulfill His His purposes for, for your life, for this church, for our community. Maybe you're wanting to move out of town. God said, I want you in that town. I remember we were invited to speak in a couple of years ago to Africa, two years in a row. And every time I'd say, yeah, we're coming. And the Lord said, I never told you to go. And I had to call back and say, I'm sorry, I can't go. Next year, yeah, I'm coming. And it was a plea. He said, God, it's, I feel like the man of Macedonia. Come and teach us. And I said, I'm coming, me, Dad. I'm coming. And then about Christmas time, God said, I never told you to go there. See, we, we do things out of passion and excitement. When God's not in it at all. God has put a passion in my heart right here for things that this is where I want you to focus. We can support people going over there, right? Now we can do it through Facebook, and Zoom, and all the other things we can do. But let me tell you, do what we said today. Psalm one. Look who you're hanging out with. If it's toxic, if they're sinners, don't hang. Love them. Pray for them, but don't take advice from them. Don't go hanging out with them, right? Get your financial counseling from believers. Or even, you know, God can give wisdom to unbelievers, but then you pray say, God, is this the advice I should take? And he will use unbelievers sometimes. But is this the advice I should take? And if God will tell you, no, take this, but don't do that. So God, I pray blessing upon your people. God, thank you for that we are Bayrock blessed. But God, be are blessed. God, we want to walk in your ways. We want to meditate on your word. And I put a passion in our heart for Your Word and for Your presence, God. Lord, let us turn off the TV and spend more time in you, in Your presence or with Your Word, God. Let us have the same passion for Your Word, the same emotional in, involvement with Your Word that we have for our favorite shows on TV. God, give us that hunger for You day and night, night and day, we're continuously speaking the Word, speaking the Word, thinking the Word. That's what You said in, in Your Word to Your to your people. You said the parents are to teach their children when they get up and when they go to bed, when they go out when they come in. Is to continuously be before us. God, let's have a passion for you and for your word. God, I thank you that we are blessed. We are blessed. Thank you for blessing God. We have nothing that doesn't come from you. Mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give somebody a holy hug.